Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. WFAN New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, Steve Politi at, at NJ.com, he did a terrific column this past week about a lawsuit that I'm pretty sure I had I discussed on the show several years ago. Now, this past week, many of you either emailed me or texted me about this case. Now, in short, a relatively inexperienced high school JV baseball coach who was coaching third base during a game instructed a base runner coming from second into third to slide in order to beat a throw uh, from the outfield. Unfortunately, the 15-year-old ruined his ankle with the slide, so much so that he, he never really recovered from the surgery. His baseball career, in fact, his entire sports career in high school came to an unfortunate end. Now, as you might imagine, disappointment and anger ensued after this most uh, difficult accident, and the boy's parents decided to sue the coach for, in effect, a poor decision to have the kids slide into third. As it developed, the lawsuit took years to wind its way through the court system, ending up in front of a jury, which ultimately decided in favor of the coach. Coach was found not liable for having the kid slide into third. Now, if the coach had been found liable, well, the, co- the parents would have won a huge settlement. But more than that, in this day and age of high school coaches being embattled from all different angles, if this case had gone the other way and he had lost, well, it'd be hard to blame high school coaches today for perhaps no longer wanting to coach kids due to legal concerns. And it's just a complicated issue. Uh, a lot of things that uh, did not come through in that column, which, again, was well-written, but I, there are things you need to know. And to basically flesh out this whole issue, I've asked a longtime Sports Edge contributor and now sports editor for WestchesterCountyPost.com, Steve Callis, to come on the show this morning to talk about this. And, friends, we'll take your calls as well at one eight seven seven. 337-6666, because I know a lot of people were upset about those whole things. Uh, Steve, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Great to be with you, as always. Well, thank you. Uh, now, as I mentioned, Steve, a lot of different issues about this case, uh, which I don't know were really made all that clear, and I want to make sure we're all on the same page as we proceed with our conversation. First of all, the, the basic question to me is, can a high school coach – be sued by a parent who's upset, uh, who, whose kid got hurt. Uh, I thought coaches were employees of school districts and therefore were basically protected or covered by school districts and their insurance. Well, what, what's the truth in something like this? Well, you're right about that, Rick. Well, what it actually is is, yes, a coach can be sued, but then, and in the case of uh, Boundbrook and 375 other high schools in New Jersey, they're covered by the New Jersey Schools Insurance Group. So I think one of the 
feelings you get after reading this article, even though it's briefly mentioned, I think, in the article, is the coach was never going to be on the hook for 10 cents. But it would have been a gigantic recovery. This is all insurance covered, and frankly, the decision to go to trial is all based on the insurance company's lawyers. So you're right. Um, a coach would not have to spend pay any money in this kind of thing, but as you've already alluded to, it became a seven- or eight-year odyssey, uh, and so he had to be the star witness. He had to be deposed. He had to be at the trial. And, in fact, during the, the, the long litigation, what happened was the insurance company actually won a summary judgment motion, and then it went up to the appellate division, which reversed and said, no, you've got to go to trial on this one. So you're right. The coach who was sued, who can be sued, uh, never would have had to have paid a nickel in this lawsuit if he had lost. You know, it, everybody agrees that this was a very unfortunate accident. I mean, I think that's fair to say. Obviously, the, if you put yourself in the role uh, of the parents. They have a son who's obviously an excellent athlete. Uh, I think you had mentioned to me that the kid was uh, as a freshman, uh, made the high school varsity basketball team, yeah. which is pretty, so the kid's a pretty good ball player. Obviously, apparently, he was the top player on the JV baseball team. And after this uh, unfortunate accident to slide into third base, his uh, all the surgeries he had to undergo, uh, his his athletic career pretty much came to a halt. Uh, the kid's now in college, but he never played any more sports in high school. Certainly, he's not playing in college. So I can understand. In a sense, the parents, uh, you know, grief or outrage that, my gosh, uh, with, with uh, a poor judgment call by the coach, uh, our, our, our son can no longer play sports, which obviously was very meaningful to the boy and to the parents. But all that being said, you know, th there is a sense of, of, well, you know, these kind of things do happen when you play sports. Uh, w w as soon as you go onto a field or... Uh, a basketball court or ice hockey rink, accidents are part of the game, the, the so-called assumption of the risk. Now, you told me, Steve, that in New Jersey, assumption of the risk, is, it, it's a, the, it, the legal doctrine is a little complicated. But the bigger point I'm trying to make is, don't the courts realize and acknowledge the fact that these things can happen when a kid takes the field? Absolutely, they do. And I'll go back to the decision in this case where the appellate division sent it back to the trial court for trial, and I'll just give you a quote. All of this law in New Jersey is based on a 1994 Supreme Court case, as you know, in New Jersey, unlike uh -huh. New York, Supreme Court is the highest court in New Jersey, called Cron v. Campo. This is 1994, Rick. This was actually a sliding case where a kid slid into another kid, hurt the other kid, and supposedly this was an informal no-slide rule league. But because the, it wasn't like definite rules, et cetera, et cetera, the Supreme Court of New Jersey found the following. And when you talk about assumption of the risk, you're right. But in New Jersey, it's really couched more as a negligence versus recklessness versus intentional. If you're reckless or intentional in New Jersey, then you can lose. If you're merely negligent, then you can't lose. And I just want to read you one quote from the Supreme Court case, which was quoted in the recent case that reversed and sent this to trial, quote, our Supreme Court has determined that the duty of care applicable to participants in informal recreational sports is to avoid the infliction of injury caused by reckless or intentional conduct. In other words, that takes it above and beyond negligence. And when we talk about assumption of the risk, again, not talked about in New Jersey, um, 
we don't have anything other than negligence, you're going to win. And that's what happened in, in this case. And if you do have something beyond, obviously there was no intent in this case. That was not an issue. But recklessness was. And the jury essentially found that the third base coach was not reckless in telling this kid to slide into third base. All right, hold that thought. Uh, we're talking with Steve Callis this morning. Um, we'll get to your calls as well. But let's take a timeout. Seth Kanner is here this morning. He's got your sports update. When I return on the other side, we'll go back to Steve and we'll take calls as well. Stay with me. Back here on the Sports Edge, we're discussing both the uh, short and long-range impact of this uh, lawsuit from New Jersey where a youngster was instructed by his third base coach to slide into third during a, a junior varsity game. And unfortunately, the boy not only ruined his ankle on the play, but he was never able to play baseball or any other high school sports again by all accounts. Uh, the youngster was a gifted athlete. Uh, and everybody, we're talking with Steve Callis about this. You know, Steve, everybody agrees it was a bad, terrible accident. Uh, and the, obviously the parents felt, you know, somebody should be legally liable, you know, to, to basically cover costs or, or to be, I don't know, punitive or whatever it might have been. But, you know, the jury decided in favor this week of the coach. Um, but, you know, you know, there was a time in the world of sports parenting, and I'm going back maybe 10, 15 years ago, where it seemed, as you said, and everybody knows this, that you can pretty much sue anybody for anything in this country but there was a time, and you remember this, Steve, where there was a case out in Los Angeles where a father, uh, his son didn't make the high school basketball team. Right. And, and he sued the, the, the coach and the school because, in effect, he felt that the kid it was, it was jeopardizing his future NBA career by not making the high school varsity. Um, there was a case, uh, I recall, from, I believe, uh, like Nova Scotia, where a father sued because his kid had, had won the um, – scored the most goals – uh, it was a leading point scorer in, in a youth hockey league, and the kid was not named MVP, which the parent felt got in the way of the kid's uh, professional career aspirations. So if everybody can sue anybody for anything, you know, what, how does this work now? I mean, could a parent sue a high school coach because the kid got cut, as you said before? Could he sue a coach because he feels the coach isn't, isn't well trained to teaching skills to their youngster? I mean, where are we these days with these lawsuits? I think that's where we are. Just everything you just said. It, it sounds stupid to maybe old-timers like us. Certainly my kids are out of the youth sports now for, you know, seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, but once upon a time, and I'm going back to when we were kids, Rick, you know, it just wasn't done. The coach was the coach was the coach, the taskmaster. Everybody listened to him. And if anything, when you went home, as you know, I went to Powell Memorial. If there was a problem and you went home, your parents would virtually always side with the coach <laughs> and you'd be told you know get in line so it's to it's a totally different mentality you've talked about this on your show for years if not decades now about the whole living through your kids vicariously but i will say in this lawsuit the kid was hurt so badly he had three surgeries right away and it didn't help him he had a stem cell surgery he had he wound up going to the hospital of special surgery where they could repair the ankle to where at least he can walk as you said he's a Rutgers student now but he never played again and i think from his parents perspective 
My kids made the varsity basketball team as a freshman. My kid's the star of the JV baseball team. In their eyes, you know, who knows what they're thinking nowadays or even seven, eight years ago. Oh, my kid's going to get a free ride to college, for example. I'm just throwing one thing out. But there's also, you know, the pain and suffering this kid went through. This was not your normal. I sprained my ankle. I broke my ankle. And there's a lot of that. And I think you're right. You kind of alluded to it. Had, Had the plaintiff won this case, it would have been a seven-figure recovery because this kid was only 15 when it happens, and you know his life expectancy is probably another 60, 65 years, uh, plus pain and suffering. So that would have been a seven-figure result in my opinion. But it was, again, the insurance company's decision to toe the line and go the distance. And fortunately for them, because it could have gone the other way in theory, Rick, uh, fortunately for them, it went the way of the coach and the school district and the insurance company. Can we assume, though, that all the kids' medical bills, because you said he went through multiple surgeries uh, you know, during his high school career, we assume those are all covered by the, uh, by the uh, school's insurance company? I wouldn't say 100% for sure and really couldn't find anything in that article and other research that I did, but one would think that somewhere there is some requirement that those bills had to be paid. If not, that would be obviously even more reason to bring the lawsuit that was brought. Got it. Okay, well, let's, let's get some, uh, some response and uh, reaction from our callers. Let's start our conversation this morning with our friend Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. What do you make of this case? Good morning, Rick. How are you doing? Good, Ed. Unfortunately, it's a bad situation that happened to the uh, young man. Um, and I, I know where the parents are coming from. They, you know, they're probably looking to get as much, if they had to pay whatever uh, money they could get to try to at least defray some of the cost of the bills. Right. But the one thing I advise is this. All coaches on all levels, you better teach your kids how to slide. Yeah. And not only that. No, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I know you, you, you yeah, stuck but, with a little bit. No, but, but also, too, this is another thing that's important. You're coaching the bases. You got to teach your kids how to pick up a coach if the coach wants wants you to come, and then the coach has to judge how early does he want the, the player to slide. Because here's what it is: sometimes if he slides too late, that 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 might have been the cause of the injury. Yep. And I'm not saying who's at fault of that. You know, again, that wasn't mentioned really in the article, but you know, again, these are so many things that 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 you have to teach, and it's not just the point. Okay, I want to be a coach. There's so many aspects in the game of baseball. As you know, Rick is a former coach, and um, Steve, I'm sure you know too. You've got just so much teaching in the game of baseball that, that you've got to go over everything with a well, fine tooth and comb. Ed, this is interesting because part of the, the – uh, and Steve will tell us about this – the whole part of the case was this was an inexperienced coach. He had just basically been, I guess, promoted to be the JV coach. Uh, he, and, of course, sliding, the question was, well, did he tell the kid to slide – uh, too close to third base. They should have told the kid earlier to slide. You know, it's an old maximum in baseball, but you're running the bases. When in doubt, you always slide because, you know, yep. you just don't want to take the chance that all of a sudden you get too close, you're going full speed, you're getting too close to the base, and you try to slide and it's too late. Steve, yeah. I, I know that was what? a major part of this whole case. Oh, absolutely. Ed brings up some good points, but Coach John Sook testified that he told the kid to slide when he was six feet from third. And you and I talked about this uh, before, Rick. And, of course, look, 
You play at Harvard, you play pro baseball, you're a Hall of Fame coach, college coach, and I played D1 at NYU and played semi-pro after that. If you're running full speed, and I know you were a fast runner, Rick, if you're running, and this was a triple, this wasn't even just from second to third, if you're running full speed and a coach tells you to slide six feet from third, and I think Ed would back us up, that's late. Yeah. And that was brought out, and that, was that was emphasized, but apparently the jury found that that was reasonable. When they asked Coach Sook, what, what's the distance where it would be too late? He said two feet from third. <laughs> so <laughs> as a matter of baseball, forget the law. As a matter of baseball, all three of us and most people listening would say, well, hold it, he's running full speed, and I tell him six feet from third to slide? Yeah. That could have been exactly what happened if that's true, that he went down right away, jammed his foot against the base, broke his ankle, and it was a horrific break uh, from which he could never play again. So there's that aspect of it as well. I thought that was interesting, but the jury found that the third base coach was not reckless. Again, that's the test in New Jersey. And maybe the three of us or others would argue, well, if you're telling the kid to slide that late, maybe he was reckless. Yeah, and, and Steve and Ed, well, I mean, it, that's that's exactly what you're talking about, Ed, that the kid, the, the baby six feet, the kid's going full tilt. He's a good athlete. He's trying to hit a triple. That's a little late to tell a kid to slide, you know? That's a, Rick, here's, here's the, the other problem, too. In Jersey, you've got the elite uh, parochial baseball program. So they get to pick the coaches that they want who, who have knowledge of the game. And a lot of them usually come from elite travel organizations. That's the way it's going in New Jersey. In the public school system, sometimes they struggle to get coaches on a lower level. Yep. So they may, they may just ask someone to coach who may be inexperienced. But then the thing is, they got to make the board of education, the athletic director, or even the head coach of that program needs to train his lower level coaches on his philosophy. Sliding. How soon do I let let a player know when to slide? You know, these are all things that are important in in, in the uh, in the public school level to get coaches. Well, Ed, that's another good point about this. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up because you're you're right. We all hear all the time about how it's difficult sometimes to get JV coaches in particular sports. And so I find somebody at the last second who will tell you, I really don't know much about lacrosse or about field hockey or whatever the sport may be. And theoretically, is that person, is that coach qualified to, to go out and teach skills and to teach some of the how to prevent some of the dangerous plays in the sport? That's a problem. And, and every, hey, high school, well, Rick, every high school AD will tell you that is an issue because you can't get really good qualified coaches. Well, Rick, in, in, in the 80s, I was, I was applying for a, a teaching job at, at a parochial school. So, they, they, you know, I was already asked to coach uh, basketball and baseball because I knew it. They said, can you coach football? I said, well, I never coached before. He goes, well, what do you know about football? I said, the only thing I know about football is the betting lines on Sunday. <laughs> and guess what? They, 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 they took me on to coach because they, they just needed a body. Yeah, yeah. I actually learned because I sat in a lot of the meetings with the uh, – the varsity staff to, to, to try to learn, you know, on how to become a football coach. It, Ed, it's uh, it, it is a real concern, and uh, and thank you as always, Ed, for the call. I appreciate. Have a great day, everyone. Good job, and Steve. That, thanks, Ed. And and Steve, that's a good point that Ed makes about the fact that you know, if if a school district has to obviously find coaches for sports that may not be all that popular or that well known. And all of a sudden, you're putting in a, somebody who says, like Ed says, you know, I don't know about football, but sure, if you want me to coach, I'll coach. Is that a concern? Is that, a, I mean, that was, that was sort of part of the lawsuit here about the, the inexperience of this, this young man 
being a, being a promoted to be the JV baseball. Well, player. absolutely, and that was focused on again. That's why this lawsuit isn't such a crazy lawsuit as many people have said. But this was a 23 year old kid who was just out of. I'm talking about Coach Sook, who, by the way, was 31 when this case finally ended. Yep. But he was a 23 year old kid, fresh out of college. He had not coached in high school. He was not going to be the JV coach. I don't know if it was, if he was going to be a seventh and eighth grade coach or if he was going to be an assistant. But the head coach, something happened. Just you know, a few weeks before the season started this was the first game of the season he was made the coach just shortly before the season started so it is true that he was inexperienced it is true that he was young it is true that it was his first high school um game and it is true that he testified yeah i told him to slide six feet from third that's that's enough time for him to get down and slide and i'll say it again nobody who really knows baseball believes that maybe somehow this jury did well the funny thing is not that you know the jury we have no idea how much expertise the jury have when it comes to coaching third base <laughs> and trying how much time a kid needs to know to slide into third. Uh, but as, as you and Ed have both uh, mentioned, you know, six feet with a kid who's going full speed, that's, that's a little late. But a jury either didn't know or just disregarded that reality and said, well, no, uh, that, that was enough time for the kid to uh, slow down and to uh, go into a proper slide technique. And, and, Rick, if I could, I want to give you one more quote from the 1994 Supreme Court case that was mentioned in this lawsuit just about the standard. Yeah. Quote, the heightened recklessness standard recognizes a common-sense distinction between excessively harmful conduct and the more routine rough-and-tumble of sports that should occur freely on the playing fields and should not be second-guessed in the courtroom. So I know the end of quote. So I know you're going to get to that. What is the real big picture here? Yeah, yeah. That's how they view it in, in New Jersey. They do see that these things can and do happen. And so unless you can show recklessness or intent, and again, no intent in this case, of course, but unless you can show recklessness, you can't recover. But that's how we get to juries and jury verdicts, because this is how it all plays out, at least in New Jersey. We're talking this morning with uh, Steve Callis, sports editor, WestchesterCountyPost.com, and obviously a longtime contributor to the Sports Edge, uh, particularly on legal matters. Uh, we're talking about this unusual case that just got resolved in New Jersey where uh, parents of a kid who was sliding the third was seriously hurt uh, and the thing finally wandered its way through law, through the court cases, uh, court uh, uh, venues in New Jersey uh, just this past week, and the, the, the coach who had been sued uh, was not found liable in this case. But the real question is that these kind of cases where parents are suing coaches or school districts, you know, what does this do in terms of the long-range impact with being a coach these days, particularly uh, at the high school or youth uh, levels? And uh, it's, a, it's an interesting concern because it's been there for a long time, and, and it's, it's something that we all have to be uh, sort of focused on. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. That is our number. We're going to take a quick time out. When we return with Steve, we'll take more of your calls. Stay with me. You're listening to Rick Wolf and the Sports Edge on the Fan Sports Radio sixty six and one zero one nine FM WFAN New York. Radio.com. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. 
And welcome back to the Sports Edge. Uh, we're talking this morning about uh, this lawsuit that was uh, came to an end uh, where some parents of a high school b- baseball player were suing the coach uh, when they felt the coach had told the kid to slide at the third base uh, too late uh, in his run from uh, around the bases. Uh, now, before I forget, make sure you check out uh, my, my website at AskCoachWolf.com. And be sure to check out also my, my new YouTube channel at Ask Coach Wolf. That's on YouTube. Now, before we get back to uh, Steve Callis, a quick note. I'm well aware of what's happening in New Rochelle High School with the uh, suspension of highly popular head football coach Lou uh, DiRienzo. And New Row is one of the premier high school football programs in New York State, and Coach D is held in high esteem by his players and parents. Facts are still unclear as to why he was suspended as the football team continues with its hope to win yet another uh, New York State High School football championship. But uh, from what I can tell from my sources, uh, Coach D's infraction had nothing to do with the football program or with the players. Now, again, the details are very, very sketchy at this point. The superintendent uh, in New Rochelle has said the investigation, investigation will take a few weeks. And during that time, Coach D is suspended. Obviously, uh, we're all waiting to get more details, uh, and they'll, I'm sure, be forthcoming uh, fairly soon. Now, by the way, New Rochelle did win last night in the New York State playoffs, and they now move on. But again, the school won't uh, comment except to say that it's a personnel issue, uh, and obviously we'll wait and see uh, what, what uh, takes place in the next few weeks. But again, New Rochelle did win last night. Okay, let's get back to the third base coach who was sued for telling a kid to slide. And, uh, Steve, let's get back to our calls. Let's go over to Al in Raritan, New Jersey. Al, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, John. How are you? How are you doing? Good, good. So, first off, let me say I, I do empathize and feel bad for this young um, athlete, uh, 15-year-old, who, who did the break his right. and, you know, could no longer play again. But with that being said, um, I'm a former player and played all the way through college. I actually, to this day, coach, travel, rec, uh, all ages, from high school down to eight-year-olds. And I think, it, I, I got to tell you, I think it's a bad precedent that um, that this lawsuit took place. I mean, accidents, unfortunately, happen in part of the game. Injuries, I should say. Yep. Um, it's one of those things that it may or may not be no one's fault. And I understand everyone's saying six feet from the base, is it, is it you know, long enough to slide? But, you know, Depends how tall the kid is, how short the kid is, how how fast was he running? Was he running full speed? Was he running, you know, three quarters speed? I mean, there's so many things that play into this, and we're going to sit here and judge a coach in any sport on their decision making. On you know, on we'll call it every every situation in every game, and say you know, this day the coach didn't tell him to slide, and he he ran straight up, and he got hit with the ball coming in. And it shattered his elbow. Did the coach get sued there? I mean, it's got to be sometimes, I hate to say it, and I feel horrible for the young man, but sports happen, you know, injuries happen in sports sometimes. And it's nobody's fault. It's just part of the game. Al, this is what we were talking about before with, uh, with Steve about the assumption of the risk, which doesn't have that terminology in New Jersey. But yeah, I mean, this is anytime a kid goes to play in a competitive env- environment or an arena or a field, this, things could happen. As you say, a ball could have been thrown. From the outfield, could have hit the kid in the arm and, and broken his arm too. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen here. 
Steve, what are, you, what are your thoughts about this? Well, I mean, I'll make some good points, but again, the Supreme Court in New Jersey in 1994, which was a sliding case as well, Rick, said yeah. the common sense distinction between excessively harmful conduct and the more routine rough and tumble of sports that should occur freely on playing fields and not be second-guessed in the courtroom. I think that's what I was talking about, but the problem here is, you know, to me, this ship has sailed. That's a 94 case. This is last week. Uh, you and I talked about a 2009 case in Staten Island, Long Island right. in 2009 on your show where a kid slid and the Little League, this was the New Springville Little League and Little League Baseball, decided to pay them 125000 rather than go to trial because the charge there was negligent coaching and the use of a stationary base, um, which maybe was too stationary. You know, when, when Little League, and we talked about this back then, when yeah. they introduced the, the breakaway bases, well, what happens one day if you slide in and it doesn't break away? So in that situation in 2009 in Staten Island, the insurance company decided to settle rather than roll the dice and maybe lose much more in a jury verdict. So Al makes some good points, and Al kind of sounds like an old-timer like us, Rick. But in the modern day of sports parenting and sports injuries and you can sue anyone for just about anything. This is where we are. So I don't yeah, think I, that, I don't think the chilling effect is what they're really talking about because that threat has been around for at least twenty five years, going back to the Supreme Court case in New Jersey. And Al, you make a good point. You know, because you know the fact is, and I think what's going, what's behind all this is that parents today now say, "Well, my kid's a really good athlete, and if he or she gets injured by what I think is a reckless decision by the coach uh, or an unqualified coach." Then my kid may be jeopardizing a college scholarship, which is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, or a pro contract. I still think that's sort of what's driving all these kind of these, these kind of concerns and lawsuits. I, I agree, and that's sort of fortunate because you know, at the end of the day, it's for the kids to have fun, you know, at any age. And and and, you know, and another thing is, and you guys touched on this earlier, that you know, this is the precedent that is going to be started. A, you're going to find a very difficult time finding coaches at all levels, whether it's a recreational level in your town, whether it's a high school level uh, or a middle school level. And, and the school districts, if they have to be worried about getting sued for every, you know, sporting coach's decision, that is going to be a tremendous, you know, weight on their shoulders. And, and I don't know how that's going to be. How, what kind of effect that's going to be if that president started? I, I agree, Al. That, that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why we're talking about this today. Thank you, though, for the call. Appreciate the comments. Let's, uh, let's move to uh, Jack Smithland over in Fairlawn. Jack, what do you make of the situation? Well, you, you know, like Steve just said, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm as old school as you guys are. And, you know, I coached for 44 years. And in all sports, there's always bang-bang plays. You know, one of the things that, and this is something that wasn't brought up either, one of the things that I didn't see in any of the articles was did the kids slide properly? You know, I mean, you know, once again, he wasn't taught. One of the things that I did as a coach in my varsity years um, was I always put my most educated, best-teaching coach at the lowest level. I mean, at, if, I had a J, if I had a freshman team that year in my, in my program, my best teaching coach was at that level. And this way he instructs. Also, like we talked about before and, and Ed mentioned and a few coaches mentioned, that 
you know, a lot of those secondary sports in school and the lower level secondary sports, such as JB and freshmen, people just are given the jobs because they need to fill the job. Right, right. But in, today, in today's society and when the way things are in, in, in the world of media and technology, if somebody told me right now to go teach water polo, I could study it enough on the computer and learn the proper skills and the proper techniques by just getting onto the computer. So, coaches, if you are at a position where you're new, educate yourself, all right? But also, once again, and you and I spoke about this the other day, every time a kid crosses that line or onto that court or onto that ice, like you mentioned before, there's chances his career is going to end that day, okay? I mean, and people have to understand that. What about the football parents who know who know the dangers of concussions and what it can do to their, not only their child's athletic life, but their future in life, and they still allow their kids to play the game. I, I, I don't get it. Well, are they going to start suing every time their kid gets a bang of the head? So people, educate yourself. Think before you act. That's one of my biggest things. Think before you speak. But the point is, is that these things happen. And like you said, and Steve and everybody else, I feel very bad for that kid because if it was my kid, you know, I sit here and talk as a coach, as a parent, but if it was my kid, I, you know, I don't know how I would have reacted. But I do, as a coach, understand these things happen, and you know, they're going to continue to happen. Jack, so, I, I, I hear you, and thank you for that because I, I think we all feel the same way. Uh, Jack, thanks yep. again. We'll talk to you soon. You're more than you're more than welcome. And, and Steve, let me ask you about that. I mean, what about parents uh, who, who, as Jack mentioned, kids who play football? I mean, assumption of the risk. Suppose a parent says, "Yeah, my kid played football five years ago in high school, and now he's having some issues." Can the can a parent then sue the school, the coach, for bad tackling techniques? Well, it's a good question now, and 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 you've talked about this in the past, and you could do a whole other show on it now because between concussions and now the CTE from the NFL. You know, the problem with those kinds of things, frankly, right now is you don't know whether you got CTE until after not only have you passed away, but you've also donated your brain. But I can tell you, because we recently did a lot of stuff at WestchesterCountyPost.com on concussions and CTE relating to should your kid play tackle football, should your daughter head a soccer ball, you know all these issues. Right. Should your kid play uh, contact hockey at the age of 12 or 13 or 14? So this isn't just a football thing anymore. I have not seen those kinds of suits yet, Rick, but it's possible that it would happen. But the problem is, right now, they're trying to find a test for CTE while people are alive, but they've already found it, you know, you and I are talking about League of Denial years ago, they found it in 18-year-old kids and 21-year-old kids who have oh. passed away, so it is a problem. Of course, now the defense will be... Um, well, look at what you know. Look, at, And you've already done shows on this where the football participation rates are declining, where parents would almost have to be stupid to let their kids play before 12. There's a new study out that says if you play football before 12, tackle football, and you don't start until after 12, the people before 12 have cognitive issues before the people who don't play till after 12. Now, you've quoted the experts in the past saying you shouldn't even play tackle football until you're like 14 or 15, and but that's a whole issue, and I think especially in wealthy areas, the participation rate is declining, and at these smaller 
schools, some of them, as you've reported, can't even field the team. So, yes, is that a possible suit? Yes. I don't believe there's any that have been filed yet, but that's because you don't really know the damage. Because, frankly, as you know, Rick, a lot of people have concussions and are fine for decades for the rest of their lives. A lot of people have these sub-concussive hits that they talk about in football and are fine. Um, but 111 of 112 NFL players who had had donated their brains after their death had CTE, that's an incredible number. Uh, that's well said, Steve, and uh, we'll have to see what happens in the years to come. All right, let me, let me take a timeout. Uh, Seth Cantor has our update. When I return, I'll go back to your calls, and, of course, we'll, uh, we'll talk with Steve some more. Stay with me. Steve, we have just a couple of minutes left on the show, and I wish we had a lot more time. This is obviously a a critically important topic. Uh, But let me just ask you this. Should uh, coaches be concerned about uh, these kind of lawsuits uh, popping up uh, in the years to come? Well, I think there will be more uh, in terms of concern. Look, you you have to have proper insurance com- uh, coverage. Uh, as we've talked about the 2009 case, the Little League generally has insurance to cover those issues. As we talked about this case, Boundbrook and the 375 other high schools in New Jersey are covered by New Jersey Schools Insurance Group. I'm sure there's a group like that in every state. Obviously, if you're going to do this, you should check. But what you can't get away from is what this Coach Sook went through for eight years. So even if you're not going to be, and, and believe me, that's a big <laughs> that's a big thing. If you're not going to be financially liable, even if you lose, you still have to go through. When you read you that article, and Steve Politi did bring a, do a good job bringing this out, the 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 torture almost that this guy went through for eight years, just showing up, you know, to be a high school coach for the first time as a 23-year-old just out of college. So there is that, but I'll say it again. The Supreme Court case in New Jersey was 1994. It was a sliding into a base case. This case last week uh, has been going on for eight years. It was a sliding case. The Little League that we, the Staten Island case we just talked about, um, where they settled for 125000 because they didn't want to go to trial, that's 2009. So these things have been around the possibility is there but I think the best thing you can do I think this will have some effect but I think the best thing you can do is make sure you're at least covered by insurance uh, just in case something like this happens but again the horrific nature of this particular lawsuit Rick is something that you virtually never see and I've just given you two examples but that's the total of three examples in 25 years Steve Callis as always your insight is is, uh, right on the mark Uh, Steve Callis sports editor of the Westchester CountyPost.com. Steve, my thanks. As always, we'll talk to you again real soon. Always great to be with you, Rick. That again is, you know, this case is, as Steve said, is very, very troubling, but uh, we don't know what's going to happen next. We obviously feel sorry for the two victims here, obviously the kid who slid into the base and uh, whose career was ruined, and of course for the coach as well. Nobody wanted to see him get hurt here, but that unfortunately is the nature of sports. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Pete Kennedy. Don't forget, if you missed any of today's show, when you download the Radio.com app, you can select WFAN. You can listen back to anything we talked about on the show or in the station in the last 24 hours. That's it for me. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.